Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 202, episode 4 of Your Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It's Thursday, September 16th, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. She hates big nuts and she cannot lie. Some other brides might deny, but when her man walks in without Invermectin, puts those big balls in her face, she's just gone. <laughs> uh, that is courtesy of Eat the Rich Jefferson and uh, Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend, fiance, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host. Mr. Miles Gray! Well, they tried to go and clone the mammoth, but Jack said, no, no, no. Yes, it's been stink, but when it's living, you will know, no, no. Uh, thank you so much to the Super Toe for that just wonderful Amy Winehouse rehab remix. Because, you know, people are out here talking about bringing the fucking woolly mammoth back to life to end climate change or that's one of the th it's very hard to understand why yeah. but thank you for that tribute to amy nonetheless yeah and fortunately they do have to check with me before doing it uh so i get to so i guess it's no, no so it's no. not happening huh yeah sorry until you explain <laughs> to me how getting an animal that eats arctic grass is going to restore arctic grass to the, the landscape i It'll bring balance. It's Look. a no for me, uh, <laughs> scientists. All right. You heard it. Well, Miles, mm -hmm. we are thrilled to be joined by a very funny stand-up comedian who writes for Nickelodeon's new show, That Girl, Lele. Uh, NPR's Ask Me Another. The New York Times, The New Yorker, Bravo, Glamour. You've heard her stand up on Sirius XM and seen her on stages across the U.S. She hosts the podcast's Comedians with Ghost Stories and her book of uplifting and funnier trivia one day smarter drops on october 12th please welcome the hilarious and talented emily winter no, thank you so much thank you Thanks for having me on your wonderful show hey. oh who told you to say it's wonderful <laughs> come on <laughs> i got the memo <laughs> <laughs> thank you for coming on yeah yeah uh where, where are you coming to us from where, where on the earth are you I am in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, okay. I'm in Red Hook on my little hole back here. Yeah. Nice. How did you fare during the the floods and things like that? Sure. Uh, the, there was the first one. I was in the Wisconsin Dells, and I was having no part of it. And apparently my place was fine. And shockingly, the second one, I was fine, too, as many of my friends got flooded. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, we just okay. got some extra mosquitoes, so that's... Oh, great. I did very oh, well. wow, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that, I have a backyard, which is like, you know, basically I'm... It's a, like a mansion in New York, so I have yeah. a little yeah. tiny backyard, and it's like just full of mosquitoes. Nobody's mm. coming over right. ever again. Yeah. <laughs> so like a bite-proof <laughs> suit on or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I hear that. What, okay, so we I'm super intrigued by the the podcast comedians with ghost stories. Are you a believer? Do you do you oh, believe in ghosts? Absolutely. I think uh <laughs> do you, I mean, do you guys believe? Do you know? I don't know. Oh, I'm certainly don't know. I'm ghost adjacent. Does that mean you have someone close to you that's seen a ghost? Yes, yes. But <laughs> they they have they also have a propensity for bending the truth. 
a lot. So it's hard. It's a it's a source that I have to consider. And I'm like, well, you know, you also kind of just you like to see things happen certain ways a lot of the time. But I don't know. I mean, I'm also being Japanese, a very ghost centric culture. So, Absolutely. you know, I'm I wouldn't say I'm out here like I wouldn't go somewhere and be like, I'm not afraid of anything because on some <laughs> level they freak the fuck out of me. But have I seen one? No. OK, well, there have been one hundred and seven billion people that have been alive and there's only what, like seven and a half billion alive today. So, like, mm-hmm. what happened to those hundred and seven billion there's got just mathematically, there's got to be a ghost, right? Oh, so this is like this is like how like people interested in like uh, extraterrestrials are like for how vast the universe is. <laughs> right. we're, it, yeah. we're, we're looking at a near impossibility that they're not out there. You're saying for the amount of dead motherfuckers that are out there, you're saying there's not one. There's not a couple ghosts. There's not somebody hanging around. Yeah. I mean, you know, when in doubt, just throw numbers at it. Yeah. Right. I loved it. Yeah. Billion. Yeah. Yes. The mathematical proof for ghosts. Like Do you that. have, or what's the freakiest story or what's the freakiest experience you've had through your ghost encountering? So I I just love listening to ghost stories. I have not been, you know how people say they're like old souls? Uh, mm. I'm a new soul. <laughs> I'm here for the first time, for sure. I am so dumb about everything and I have no instincts. Um <laughs> <laughs> And that's why I love other people's ghost stories, you know, but I did like batch record a bunch of ghost story podcasts a couple of years ago. And then weird stuff started happening in my apartment where I live with my husband. And he was like, we both at different times thought the other person got into bed and the other person was in a different room. So we both felt somebody get into bed and then like. He's got a million hats and one of his hats was just like in the middle of the room on the floor and it had been like under a big pile. Anyway, not that exciting, but we were terrified Mm -hmm. and uh, saged the apartment. We got real drunk. Then we saged. We opened all the doors and all the windows, which there are not that many of. And we told the ghost we invited the ghost to please leave. And then we never had a problem after that. Oh, shit. Okay, well, then bust them up. Bust those ghosts. That is a thick-skinned ghost. I feel like being invited to leave is pretty. It's pretty clear what's going on there. They're like, get the fuck out of here. I mean, I mean, Obviously, we invite the ghost you. Took a better hint than most uh, people at parties, right? right? Seriously, right. <laughs> yeah, um, we're inviting you to leave now. Yes, <laughs> you're supposed to be nice to them. Would you, you RSVP? Really yes, that you are leaving, or and this is where I'm. This is where we diverge because I'm not here for hand holding the ghosts. Yeah. You know. We've been handling them for with kid gloves for too long. We need to take a hard line with these ghosts and get the <laughs> fuck on out of here. Yeah. Miles, time for hard. me to keep under, not knowing why the dishwasher just turned on suddenly. Mm. <laughs> okay, dishwasher bragging. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is kind of a flex, especially I mean, uh, look, talking to I got somebody my, in New York. In New York, yeah. First one, first time having a dishwasher. So, yeah, I'm going to talk about it. Just like, remember, Jack, when I got the refrigerator that had ice in the door? It was oh, a yeah. moment. You know what I mean? These are the these are the steps we take. Yeah. There's many I'm a so moment. Jealous of that. Yeah. Towards God's love, yes. <laughs> All right, Emily, we are going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, a couple of things we're talking about. We're going to ask the question whether uh, Newsom's kind of landslide victory in the uh, not getting fired election is a sign of things to come, how encouraged people should be. We're going to talk about the FBI completely failing the greatest U.S. gymnasts of all time. We're going to talk about the upcoming political prisoner rally that is, for some reason, trying to 
remain apolitical. I don't mm-hmm. quite understand that. We're going to talk about <laughs> the new wave for the unvaccinated, a.k.a. the pure bloods. That mm. is fucking terrifying. So cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and of course, we will uh, promise to and probably not get to a story about Grimace. Uh, all of that, plenty more. <sighs> but first, Emily, we like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history? Something from my search history is so embarrassing, but I have been saying, I've been talking about poppers on stage and I realized I didn't know what poppers were. So I was like, I need to like know what I'm saying, you know, just as like, uh, I don't know, a courtesy to the audience. Because uh-huh. I've been talking about Lexapro as my poppers. And it, now I realize that's not even, they don't even, that doesn't make sense. Because poppers are not little tiny pills that you pop. Like, you know, oh, uh, yeah, like yeah. I didn't know how people because I'm a little nerd, you know, I'm like, I don't know how people do drugs. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I had to look up poppers and where to get them and how to get them and um, give them a now, try. Right. And, and now, to... I'm like, now I got to give them a try. Now I know you can get them at a bodega or something. Um, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. poppers. This is pop- so funny. <laughs> I thought they were just pills. You just pop them. Yeah, I thought that's why they were called poppers. And then I had a bag full of poppers at the movies the other night, and it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. To clarify, because I feel like I I only just learned what poppers are. There's something you, like, inhale, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And they uh, get get you high and also loosing your uh, muscles, including your butthole muscle. Yeah. 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 That's so nice. Wait, did you have a moment where someone was like, do you know what poppers are? <laughs> no, I always do this. Do you guys, do you do this? And I start talking about something for a while and then I realize I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. And then I'm like, oh, I should Google that for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, we do. It's called this podcast. It's, <laughs> it's called you're actually. listening to it. Nobody <laughs> stopped me. Nobody told me, Emily, what are you talking about? They were just like, let her carry on. She will figure it out eventually. Or did uh, they yeah. just think, Wait, oh, I'm sorry. How are you using it in context again? I'm trying to even see if someone could Lexapro see. Lexapro like, like, is oh. her poppers. So uh, yeah, I was I, talking about like depression on stage. But you know, like uh, I have seasonal depression four times a year. Uh, that right. and then like oh Lexapro. <laughs> I'm on you know Lexapro. I take I do poppers. I call Lexapro or something like that. And right, right, right. It just didn't. It, I, Maybe, I think I mean, it's it one of those drugs that gets, gets your you head high. scratching though. You're like hmm, yeah, interesting. <laughs> So Maybe she knows something I don't. <laughs> yeah. Or like yeah. what? It's a metaphorical relaxation of the sphincter that occurs. There are so many people who went home after one of your stand-up sets and tried anal on Lexapro and <laughs> had, you know, Mixed uh, interesting experiences. Who knows? Oh, I hope they... I, I mean, that's really bad because if you start Lexapro, I don't... I, I mean, this is gross, right. but it's, you're going to poop a lot. You know? Oh. Hey, so, yeah. you know, oh, I didn't even. What? What is so that? that? No, I'm on poppers, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> poppers are my Lexapro. <laughs> Emily, what is something you think is overrated? Overrated autumn seasonal vegetables. Oh my god, I mm. had a deconstructed burrito with sweet potatoes in it the other day, and mm. I found it extremely offensive. Yeah, I, I I hate that. I feel like they're more expensive. They're on menus, and it's like, oh, you know, you're gonna have to have this twenty five dollar zucchini steak, and you're like, no, no, I don't, I don't want any of these vegetables, <laughs> and I don't want to pay higher prices for them. 
Yeah, tis the season of mushy ass vegetables. Right? Squashed yeah. and get fucked. Oh, <laughs> shit. Say it loud. You know what I mean? Let them know. They can get fucked, according to Emily. Uh, wait, I'm I'm more worried about you said you had a deconstru- um, deconstructed bur- breakfast bur- or burrito, you said? It was a deconstructed burrito, which means a f- way of being charged more for a burrito bowl. That and... is so fucking violent to hear those <laughs> words, but the like deconstructed burrito, <laughs> you fucking colonizer. What are you talking about? What is this? Who is this? Why is this? It was so miserable. I had no idea there was going to be sweet potato in it. I ate it. I was so sad for the rest oh, so of the wait, day. They... You're saying it was a burrito bowl rather than like a high-minded way. Like if you went to some fancy restaurant, they're like, and this bit of corn represents the tortilla and this and it's a deconstructed. They're just being like burrito bowl, but we call it deconstructed. Yeah, basically. Oh, lazy. Lazy. Like literally they deconstructed it by unwrapping a burrito and and dumping it into a bowl. Just dumped it into a bowl. There you it go. It literally was a deconstructed burrito, and then they threw, yeah, they threw away the the, the shell, the casing, uh, yeah, that's, the tortilla. It's not a deconstructed burrito if there's no tortilla representation, right? No. Unless you're eating it out of a bread bowl or something. Like I mean, we're big, we're big on deconstructed, like, main courses, and, you know, aside from being the arbiters of what should be de-extinct, Jack also <laughs> chimes in on these kinds of of uh, modern food trends, but yes. it usually has everything represented. My favorite deconstructed meal was the uh, deconstructed pizza uh, as presented by Lunchables. That was mm. that was among the best. I agree, though. A vegetable medley of autumn vegetables is usually not not good. It's it's usually too slimy and mushy, and I I am. Team fuck squash uh, along with you. Thank God. I'm just thinking, okay, so it's Brussels sprouts, carrots, cabbage, pumpkin, although not technically vegetable, uh, acorn squash, potatoes, sweet potatoes, yams. Zucchini. Mm. Zucchini, right. Yeah. Yeah, It's more the squash family and the pumpkin, like, kind of mushy. Like, I like a good, you know, squash soup or like that. I'm good with it when it's like blended up, liquefied, but just the consistency does always like make me uh, feel like I have to just, you know, battle my gag reflex when I'm, when oh, I'm, I'm consuming it. I'm a fan. You're a squash head? Yeah, I don't mind squash at all. Like when it's done, like roasted, even like little cubes, like diced up. I'll mm-hmm. eat it. Wow. Mm-hmm. But I'm not paying, oh, I'm not paying over for it. Still, mm-hmm. I still know what a squash is worth these days. <laughs> What is something you think is underrated, Emily? Okay, underrated. I don't know what's happening out there in California, but I'm going to say underrated lawn sports because we all had to, we all got to stop, right? Stop being outside all the time when we thought COVID was over for one second. Mm -hmm, And I swore that I would never sit on a blanket and drink a White Claw and talk to my friends ever again because I was so bored of that. I could never do it again. And now we're all back to the parks, hanging out at parks, and I can't do it. And I have discovered all these lawn sports and they are a way of escaping myself and i'm like why is everyone in central park in prospect park in mccarran park not playing these games why are you all still sitting on blankets there's so mm. much you could do there's you got spike ball you got b- classics like bocce ball there's a new one called Crossnet that's so fun and they are just making me i don't know be happy for What's like cross net cross net is like four four square volleyball 
So oh. you don't have to be good at volleyball to play, just mildly athletic. Yeah, but yeah, yeah so neat. it's just teeny tiny and you and you actually get a good workout and then like you hit a friend in the head and then you laugh about it and you're not just sitting on a blanket. Drinking White Claw. Drinking White Claw. <laughs> Wait, cross net? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm seeing it now. That's, it's great. Yeah, that's really fun. Spike ball I like. I'll play spike a little ball. spike ball. It's awesome. My, my husband's in a spike ball league and I had to play the other day because his partner couldn't play and uh oh boy he got my butt kicked there's a lot yeah. of strategy that goes into that but it's very fun if you see clips of like whenever i see competitive spike ball i'm like come on now i'm not gonna do all that but also i'm like amazed at just how the game is played at that level for sure dude spike ball has been around since like, i think like 1990 or something the early 90s it and has then, some oh, wow. real real early 90s vibes but the guy that invented it never patented it so a guy that's like our age was like wait a second i've got this when i was a kid no one ever patented it now he's like a zillionaire <sighs> and uh yeah very smart thing to do and he like re in 2007 he like reignited the spike ball trend and is now ceo of spike ball Wow. It's pretty cool. What an American story. It's like, this sucker didn't protect his IP. <laughs> now it's mine. <laughs> now, <laughs> you know, I didn't think of it that way because he's from Chicago and I'm from Chicago. And I'm like, good job. Good job getting <laughs> yours. But, you know, you're not is, wrong. <laughs> is the original inventor like out here just like talking about it like destitute? He's like, they took everything from me. <laughs> I just invented I a game know. for all to have fun with very just <laughs> things you had lying around the house. And now I have nothing. I didn't think about that either. <laughs> <laughs> I love this, Emily. You're like, I don't know. Just, I, I love that. Yeah. I was happy. I was You're just happy that a straight white man finally got his. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> I know. It's about time. Good to um, see a win in that column for once. Speaking of straight white men, do you uh, fuck with cornhole? Is that in your? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm. Yeah. That's a Midwestern thing, too. Bags. Bags, cornhole, yeah. yeah, I'll I'll fuck with some cornhole, love it. How about lawn darts? Um, no, I haven't really. No. What's okay. the one where you throw rope with little like tubes yeah. hanging off it, it's and like then it has to hang on the yeah, like ladder, ladder that ball. One's good. I think yeah. What are you talking about? Ladder ball. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Where you just throw like the little bolo things and mm -hmm. get them on the little rungs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. that's a good yeah. one. For a second, yeah. I was like, what are we talking? What lawn game do I not know about now? Do you guys play a lot of lawn games? Is that a thing? I was just in LA in Griffith Park and no one was playing lawn games. Mm, I probably play get off my lawn games. I think <laughs> out here, just, like being very hostile to anyone who walks in front of your house. No, I mean, I, I have in my friend group, like people will bring out the ladder ball stuff or bring out like some version, but not all the time. But I think it, it varies from group to group. I'll I'll say that like all my local like Angelino friends who we all grew up here we don't we don't bring out the lawn games it's the transplants who have parties who bring out the lawn games yeah okay that's where so, I encounter them that's your nice way of saying you're you're such a nerd Emily which is fine <laughs> no not at all meaning like I'm just too cynical like I'm like nothing brings a fucking lawn game <laughs> like, and then I'm like oh right cool that I do like big Jenga. <laughs> Big yeah, Jenga, that's a fun one. Yeah, Big I haven't played time. most of these games sober, and now I am. I've haven't drank in six years. I I think I might want to try these and see like what they're like, not 
completely wasted. I think you'd love spike ball. Yeah, spike ball seems like I don't think I ever played spike ball. Oh, you'd love it. It, Cannot guarantee that. You can start getting strategic on that shit. Yeah, um, with how you spike it. And you know, it's like it's <laughs> it's how you many, spike it. <laughs> it's you about it. how you spike it. You could do the a ball. little high velocity spike, a little a little tapper. You know Ooh. what I mean? Make them really dig it out. Angles. Who knows? Yeah, I actually didn't know what spike ball was, and I saw it on the beach at the Jersey Shore, and I made a mental note. I should find out what that is. That looks super fun. So thank are. you. Uh, here we it's are. It's pretty easy to set up. Also, can jam. We got. I know we got. We got to move yeah. on. Yeah, can jam. I feel like we got to say it before we. Okay. So that's a good one. That's I feel like that now that is a new classic. I don't know Have what seen... can jam is. Oh, oh boy. boy. I mean, other than a can of I'm jam. I'm not good at frisbee like disc based sports, so I've I get a little frustrated when I play, but it's 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 fun. Mm. So you're oh, okay, okay. You gotta I, get a frisbee into a can the and sign you have of, a friend to help you. The sign of a good uh lawn sport is you look at a picture of it and you immediately get it and immediately understand why it would be fun and right. can jam gets cro- win- wins that uh, battle for me exactly. i'm like, so excited oh, so for you jack I, you I, you <laughs> it's all it's, it's all about alley-oop and a frisbee jack basically. yeah exactly you know that's fun that's so fun all right let's take a quick break i'm gonna go try all those sports and we'll be right back And we're back. And as promised, I guess, as advertised by Larry Elder, the Republican frontrunner himself, Gavin Newsom just smoked the competition uh, when it came to the recall. The exit polling was, I don't know, there's a handful of articles now that the like exit polling and all that stuff is in that suggest, well, this is the this is what the Democrats are going to do in the midterms. And like the Republicans are fucked. Mm. I don't know. I found it vaguely reassuring that like so one of the big ways that they got the one point five million signatures to like do the recall in the first place was by like getting people who are riled up about the vaccine mandates. But the vaccine mandates were actually a winner for Gavin Newsom. Yeah. I don't know if that was like the a change of direction for the population of California or if it was just that like it was a loud minority of the population that was like really dri- driving the recall, but not enough of them to actually win an election. No, I mean, people, they turned out for bigger numbers to basically vote against relaxing COVID restrictions than they did even vote for Newsom, like when he was first running as governor. Right. And I mean, yeah, the we talked about how sort of the strategy with Newsom was merely just gesturing to the other candidates and saying or them. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Up to you. This guy says a lot of stuff that isn't true, but what are you going to do? It's hard to say, like, how how much this will be deployed and how effective it is clearly in places like California, like it's very clear where most of the people who live here, how they feel about ending the pandemic and how we get there. I'm curious to see how it works in other places. I mean, granted, this is sort of part of Biden's overall scheme or plan that where he's mandated vaccines, the GOP got real mad 
But when you look at the polling, a majority of people aren't aren't upset by it. Yeah. So it's like I, I get it. Like this definitely if as a, a binary in a in an election you're saying, do you want to keep us safe or do you want someone who's saying we're gonna take the brakes off and fucking rewind to twenty nineteen? In that in that instance, it's very clear. But it, I think it all depends on how important the vaccine is depending on the voter or the, the pandemic is depending on the, the geography, too. Right. I mean, yes, Trump carried a surprising percentage and sheer volume of the votes in the 2020 election that I think horrified everybody. I also I don't know. They, it seems like I'm what I, I am wondering if the anti-vaxxer stuff and the January 6th insurrection. I mean, those are not popular things. Like, people are not, like, on board with that. So the fact that those are kind of the biggest things that have happened and been associated with the Republican Party since that election, may, maybe that will hurt them. I mean, it's it, I, I am slightly more hopeful than I was yesterday that that mm. will hurt them and that people are... Like, yeah, no, that is we saw those, you know, school committee PTA meetings and they were terrifying, you know? Yeah, I just think you know, uh, the strategy of saying, well, what about this guy doesn't make me that confident, like in the person running, you know, right. and I get that as a strategy that works. But you I'd also hope to see the kinds of candidates or a way of campaigning where you're actually trying I, I don't know i mean i don't even know why i'm saying this because they campaign on so much shit that they don't deliver but actually trying to create results to motivate people like how about you actually deliver safe abortion access or you know safeguards against voter suppression yeah totally changing child care and things like that like do that and gesture to that because if you just it allows them to be even fucking lazier Right. And not have to move anything forward and just say, well, you can. OK, what? So you want this guy? Right. OK. Yeah. And then there's no there's no action. Yeah. But, you know, people, it's it's, it's uh, everyone is already writing their articles. This is 2022, 2024. This is where it's going to go. Do yeah. you think it got to this point with Newsom because just because it didn't like because the pandemic didn't end. I mean, it's just so weird to me. I mean, obviously, I know there's a lot of Republicans in California, but it's just so weird to me as a New Yorker for us to like have gone through all of this with Cuomo and for it to mostly work like New York City is a very safe place to be considering everything right now. And uh, now we all hate Cuomo, but like for different reasons. But like if I mean, I don't know if his strict, stricter ideas and like mandates had worked this wouldn't have happened right is yeah i'm well the difference is like to get a recall in california is really what it boils down to you just need a million and a half signatures or i think it's like roughly eight percent of the electorate and then you can trigger a recall in which case if the if the incumbent doesn't reach 50 percent, any fucking sloppy candidate who just has a plurality after that can instantly be the governor so it's a very like indirect or direct way to sort of like short circuit the system in California to try and yeah, yeah, exactly. To try and fuck around and change something by just playing very small margins to try and get what they want. And I think a lot of it is also, this was a way for many Republicans who, 
you know, especially after Biden was elected, who were like, I can't believe I live in California. Look at what they're doing. Like this gave them something to really get behind and be motivated against. But even then, it wasn't reaching outside of, you know, that typical group of people to, you know, deliver over 50 percent, you know, of of the vote. But it did sort of bond like far right. And then like that sort of I don't know, I just like to eat grass and I'm not gonna, you know, like it's weird how it becomes circular and like, yeah, 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 like. It's it's not a line. It's not a straight political line. It like turns into a circle, and like these like hippies are like hanging out with these like hardline like Republicans, boys. and I'm yeah, like, wait, wait, where, where? How did yeah. you guys become friends? All like, of those like anti-lockdown, anti-vaccine rallies I've seen in California or like New York, I'm always like pausing the frame, and I'm going like. <laughs> Wow. How are all of these people standing shoulder to shoulder right yes, now? Yes, I'm like, well, exactly. Well, I guess one yeah. thing's more important than everything else they talk about. <laughs> mm. All right, let's talk about the FBI continuing to just fuck everything up and be yeah. terrible at their job. Simone Biles, Michaela Maroney, uh, Maggie Nichols, and Allie Reisman testified in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee to give their account of how just awful the FBI's investigation into Larry Nassar was. And it's really, I mean, there was a report over the summer that kind of highlighted a bunch of this stuff, but it was really necessary and like brave of them to actually put themselves out there because I think it highlighted it for a lot of people who probably didn't read the whole report, just how completely the FBI had fucking bungled this thing. Yeah. I mean, at first it was just sort of like they did a terrible job and I saw some of the headlines, but Again, their testimony today was so it if you even if you didn't read it, just to hear people who are describing their pain and trauma in just trying to pursue like some kind of legal just like justice for what had occurred to them. And then the lack of action from the FBI was like really everybody like it seemed that was in the Senate chamber for that was just like just kind of felt sick. You know, Michaela Maroney has talked about how she spoke with an FBI agent about her experience and was like just so distraught through the whole thing. And then like at the end of the conversation, the agent was like, so that's it. And she was like, I just described really vivid abuse to you. And I'm like very emotional about it. And then on top of that, the agent didn't follow up properly, follow up based on that interview and then drafted like a summary of the interview that had just things she didn't say in it at all, like just falsified this report. Well, he and didn't even he, draft it until basically years later, at least a year they later. Until they got caught. Right. Until yeah. they got caught ignoring the shit out of this. And then he was like, oh, okay, so here's my report on that interview. And he was doing doing it after the fact, basically making shit up. Yeah. And th- throughout this, you know, the OIG, the Office of Inspector General report, talks about many other things, too, just how even despite that, Larry Nasser was free and was able to continue his just abusive behavior, even though they were they spoke to many people who were just ringing this alarm. And yet they did nothing. They even said that they were like there was an agent who led the Indianapolis field office, lied to the Justice Department inspector general, it quote, in an effort to minimize or excuse his errors. So. You know, this is just like a very, very sad, you know, sadly, very normal case where people are trying to seek justice in when as it relates to like allegations of sexual abuse and law enforcement is just like 
unable to do it, or in this instance, just completely does nothing at all to remedy the situation. And, you know, all the athletes that were there, they said, look, like the FBI failed. Also, Safe Sport is a total failure. Like this organization that is supposed to investigate these kinds of allegations couldn't protect us either. And when I, you know, raised an issue, a lawyer for the U.S. Gymnastics Association like followed up with me. That was the first call I got was from a lawyer. And they're just saying the way everything is set up is completely antithetical to any idea that it's going to protect people who have allegations or need to be protected from abusive coaches and, you know, organizations in general. It's a very, yeah, very FBI kind of moment, especially when you see like how the DOJ is not going to prosecute the agents when we've seen time and again that people go to prison for lying to the FBI or lying to law enforcement or making false statements. These people did that. And the Department of Justice's stance is like, we're not going to be pursuing that. Right. It's not, it doesn't count if the FBI is lying to themselves. It's uh, come on. Right. But so what's (laughs) different here, you know, and like, that's where, again, if we just look at this fucking very inconsistent application of the law. Yeah. And in this case, this is, this is, it seems like such an egregious transgression and error not even error but just action from these agents that to do nothing about it is i think shows again how we will continue to fail people like this if we're not going to take things seriously enough to you know reprimand people who are involved with you know obscuring the facts yeah it's super frustrating basically everything you read about the fbi is a complete nightmare it's a it's a complete just farce and has been since they were surveilling Martin Luther King Jr. and telling him to kill himself. It's it's a shitty organization that probably shouldn't exist. Yeah, I'm curious to see what comes of this. You know, a lot of the senators said good things after they made their statements saying, you know, like, we get that you're not here for I'm sorry's. You're here for action. You're here for justice. And we will we will hopefully get answers from, you know, Chris Ray and other people at the FBI. But I, I you'd hope that there is some on some level, you know, when you're looking at especially when other athletes are raising the question at what other level is this happening? Not just at the most elite level like you can't right. this this we can't just treat this thing as something in a vacuum. But then you wouldn't it, it was just sort of disheartening, too. And you have like Chuck Grassley and like Dick Durbin who are just like these older guys like kind of listening to things like oh yeah you could just tell that they weren't really equipped to respond to those statements a lot of like a few of the other senators were but on some level there's like this old guy kind of dealing with like toxic elements of patriarchy who just sort of like didn't know what to say that's too bad oh that doesn't yeah that's too bad for that those poor girls. Okay. Well, what do we have? Yeah, for lunch? It, it felt like that. I'm just sort of like, thank you so much. Oh, that's, that's awful. Uh, I have a question. Did they, would it have been better if a female FBI agent asked you that? And people were like, Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. Do that. I just think it's, 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 it's insane that we're also like asking some of these women, like Simone Biles to keep competing, uh, while they have mm-hmm. to consistently relive this trauma. Um, and then we're like, as an American public furious at her for not going, finishing the Olympics, like she's got enough on her plate right now. You know what I mean? Right. Like she's doing more important work, arguably. Yeah. I think. Absolutely. It's, 
Yeah. And I think, and she even said too, you know, when she was giving her statement, she's like, you, you couldn't even believe what it's like for her. We tell the FBI things for years ago. It continues. We hear other, other teammates say that now they've been abused, even though we tried to speak up to end it. And then to like, go back into the context of like competing for the U S and going to the Olympics. And like Simone Biles saying like, I I'm not, it's difficult for me, like what I've been through and to not have the support of my family as I normally would going to an Olympics, just, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. yeah. And you know, she was saying like, we, the, the people up there need to ask themselves like, what is a little girl worth? You know, because if the abuse stands, like we're sending a message that it's not much at all. Yep. I think everyone that's uh, yelling at Simone Biles on Twitter should have to record themselves trying to do a cartwheel. And uh, that's what I want to see. Break their wrists. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would, too. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see because, like, I felt like with some of the Republicans, I know a lot of people, especially Republican politicians, were had some real fucking lame attacks on Simone Biles for not competing in the Olympics. And I like part of me when I was watching, like, how many of these senators were like made any comments but i was like uh, it's hard to know at this point right all right let's talk about an event that i'm sure all three of us will be attending uh the upcoming <laughs> september 18th rally uh that's scheduled to happen in dc where people oh will come together to you know rally around what they're calling the political prisoners the people who attacked the capitol on january 6th and were you know chanting to uh kill kill the vice president uh hang the vice president they are have been given light slaps on the wrist and that is a position that they you know the the people who are rallying think is on par with nelson mandela and the apartheid state they're all nelson mandela's free the nelson mandela's of january 6th i think is the merch that they've made um because there's there's just such political prisoners they're not people who broke the law and we're just in (laughs) facing you know what happens when you do that but matt branyard is this former trump campaign operative and is like currently the one sort of trying to organize this september 18th rally and it's just weird he tweeted this weird thing out where like a lot of people were like what is he what does he mean by this Uh, so matt branyard yeah he tweeted quote we request we request that anybody attending our events not wear any clothing or have signs supportive of either Bi- President Trump or Biden. Anyone not honoring this request will be assumed to be an infiltrator and we will take your picture, find out who you are and make you famous. Ooh. This event is 100 percent about hashtag justice for J6 and not the election or any candidate. Now, but- I mean. I I get it in a very broad sense, which is, remember, they tried to say that these people were Antifa and BLM infiltrators. That's who was doing the violence. And because everyone was emblazoned with Trump shit, it was just so hard for that to be like, what are you talking like? And all of these people's all of their communications, any research you do into these people, you're like, it's clear to anyone they're not actors. They're they're Trump supporters who showed up to do this. Yeah. Unfortunately for y'all, they have social media accounts that are like that give us a beat by beat like accounting of how they were radicalized when they were radicalized. So, yeah, it's complete and utter bullshit. I don't like it's it almost seems like they're trying to claim 
that as their own, like that they will track people down. And I don't know, it's a it's a very like we'll we'll do the thing that you did to us to ourselves if you I, I, like I'm very confused by this unless he is doing this on behalf of the Trump camp because the Trump camp doesn't want to be associated with this because well, he is planning a run. I mean, but just like zoom out, right? If if it's like if they're saying this is just about justice for the J6 or for January 6th, what was January 6th about? Exactly. The fact that you didn't accept the election results and you went to overturn them. So how could this not be about that? It's yeah, it's utterly confusing. It doesn't make any sense. I'm just trying to even figure out what they I, I, think I, I they're doing. I honestly think it's just they feel that it'll be optically better for them if when this rally happens, they don't have pictures of people wearing all of their political allegiances on them. So then they can misrepresent what was happening there. Got it. But it's I'm hilarious like, that he said Biden shirts. Come on. Hey, right. letting them know. Hey, Come could on. Be, hey, you know, so funny as shit. Justice that appeals to all, you know, not <laughs> left or right. But yeah, that's what I'm also curious about. Like, I mean, maybe there'll be counter protesters probably, but I don't understand. Sure. Don't wear the shirts and then you can lie more about what happened. But I also have a very hard time thinking that someone who's motivated enough to go to D.C. again to like protest this has any other clothes to wear at this point except for Trump clothing. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Camo. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I mean, we'll, uh, we'll see. But I mean, as of now, I think the Homeland Security, they suspect about 700 people will be there. That's their estimate. I mean, it could be more, but they're like, but a lot of the same right wing uh, actors will be there and not actors in that they're faking, but participants. Right. Yeah. Crisis actors. We get it, Miles. We know what you're saying. <laughs> Hired by Soros. Yep, we know. We got it. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And the anti-vax, team anti-vax is having a identity crisis slash PR shift, you know, yeah. a pivot. They're pivoting. Well, yeah, I think there's too many headlines where it's like anti-vax personality passes away. Like this, right. th th there's like a th recently a prominent guy in Colorado just passed away who like called himself like Dr. Anti-vax or something. He recently yeah. passed away from COVID. And yeah, they're just in a constant identity crisis because they're, they're not sheep. Okay, they're Thank free you. people. We're not, your own we're, research. we're unafraid. We're right. people that do our own research, but they definitely don't seem to like the label anti-vax or in some way you're starting to see more content where people are trying to like reclaim it to be something more than an accurate description of their beliefs and which leads a lot of people to be angry because of the preventable death that is occurring as a result of people refusing to get vaccinated. Mm. But yeah, they've got a new angle. They've got a new attitude, I guess is what you'd say. <laughs> and I just want to share that with all of, with everyone here. This is kind of the new way that they're doing, and they're doing it very dramatically. So I'm just sitting here and I'm thinking, from now on, I refuse to be referred to as unvaccinated. I want everyone to now call me a pure blood. A pure blood. Call me a pure blood. Um, <laughs> okay. 
Holy just, cow. I'm sorry. Like, feels very millennial. If you've eaten fast food one time in your life, you're not a pure blood. Like, there is no, <laughs> like, I'm like, if you've had mayonnaise, you're not a pure blood. Like, right. I can't. Don't yeah. tell them that. Don't I will now that. be known as a mayonnaise blood. Ooh, mayo blood. <laughs> nice mayo blood. Against the world. But yeah, this, I mean, that's just not weird at all to identify as a pure blood. And look, whether you're more Hogwarts or Himmler, I guess it all depends on how you want to use that terminology to describe yourself. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if associating with pure blood and then there, there's like one anti-vaxxer who said in like five, ten years, maybe less, all the people who are unvaccinated were going to be hunted. It's going to be like Resident Evil. We're going to be the antidote because everyone else is fucked and we're going to be the only ones with pure blood, uh, which really is, you know, when you're combining like this is an existential threat based on the purity of our blood, that's genocide shit. That's yeah. like how genocides start. But well, I mean, I don't think they're seeing the nuance. And I think I honestly think I wonder how many of these people like love Harry Potter, right? you know? Because they have no con, I don't know how much context they have. As I've seen with a lot of like anti vax rhetoric, there's a lot of like they'll say things that drift into like problematic historical context and then they don't understand why. They just know like buzzwords and things like that. And this one feels just so millennial to me. Like, right. this Super is, Harry Potter. Yeah. This doesn't happen. Like, we're not saying this unless Harry Potter fucked up millions of people's minds. <laughs> I don't know where else like it, it, it just feels it feels like an easy step for people. But again, a little bit grim. You're describing yourself like that. Isn't pure blood like what Draco Malfoy and like the bad guys? Isn't that even like the bad guys point of view? And I'm Harry not familiar with, with all the lore, but I did see a lot of jokes about being like, oh, this is going to get confused with a lot of Draco memes. Yeah. So I, I yeah. But oh, so you're saying in there that just means bad people <laughs> in the back. Well, no, it's a it's a value like for for the same reasons that it was associated with or like so popular with Nazis. Like the there's a lot of like Nazi ideology like tied up in the bad guys in Harry Potter. So like oh, they're oh got it right. Like the protagonist is I, I think they call her a half blood where she's like has a non-wizard parent or something like that so and like yeah there there is stuff like mud blood and stuff like that that they call people who have human blood or human parentage but like that's not good that's not like so like if these are harry potter fans like they're uh they, they're missing the context or they're just like yeah we're team the bad guy we're team voldemort <laughs> What about you, so, Emily? You team Voldemort? 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 I'm Hufflepuff blood, whatever that oh, is. Okay. I don't know. I'm dirty blood over here. Listen, okay, I got yeah. the dirtiest blood. I got the J&J vaccine before we knew that one was going to clot me up. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just a giant walking clot around here. You see me in Brooklyn, you're like, what is that lady? That's a giant <laughs> clot lady. That's it. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, I don't know any more Harry Potter words. I used to work for a teen blog, and I was not on the Harry Potter beat. So Ugh, Hufflepuff yeah. is the only word I know. And Quidditch. There you go. Another yeah. lawn sport. Yeah. UCLA had know. a great Quidditch team. That's I remember wild. That was the one weird thing. I was like, let's not talk about this in public, everyone. <laughs> but yeah. I, you played, this, right? You had. I've seen your varsity jacket for that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, no, look. 
okay, look, full disclosure, yeah, I was fucking it up. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was pretty good. <laughs> but I did it lie. under a pseudonym, Cho Chang. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, that's terrifying. The fake vaccine card business is booming. But we can talk about that on a later episode. What we need to talk about yes! is how no one knows what the fuck McDonald's grimace is supposed to be. You know, uh, Emily, you just mentioned, uh, you know, a walking clot. Uh, yeah. And I think people <laughs> people might think that that's as good a guess as anybody seems to have. But so it all he's started like with it. through a bath mat. He's kind of hairy, right? I got to pull him up here for a second. He does. I feel he looks like purple goo with the face. Yeah. yeah. So there was a CBC interview with a McDonald's manager in Windsor, Ontario, who had been named Outstanding Manager of the Year. And that's <laughs> he therefore became the subject of an interview with a major Canadian outlet uh, because it. Canada is fucking adorable. And anyway, at the end of the interview, the manager was asked what the deal was with Grimace. <laughs> Yo, what's it do with Grimace? The other final question. Yeah, because like the other McDonald Land characters are pretty straightforward. Ronald is a clown. Mayor McCheese is a sentient burger guy. The Hamburglar is a thief who loves eating burgers, despite the fact that they clearly have the capacity for intelligence uh, and interest <laughs> in regional politics, but. They were like, but Grimace, like, we've just never really been able to figure it out. And according to the manager, he is an enormous taste bud. Ew. Which what? is fucking gross. <laughs> how, wait, how do we know that's the gospel truth? So we're so people started looking into it. It is something that has been claimed quite a bit for a long time. In 2012, the McDonald's Twitter account specifically stated that Grimace is not a taste bud, okay. but the, quote, embodiment of a milkshake. <laughs> I was going to okay, say, he kind of reminds me of, like, the last little, like, the, the little bit of soda that doesn't make it into the cup, you know, and it's just like, bloop. Right. Oh, right. Uh, a yeah, syrupy but... soda drop. Yeah. Yeah, syrupy soda drop. And that's why he's upset, because he didn't get, he didn't get in. You know? But there's no purple milkshake at McDonald's and there's no purple soda available at McDonald's. Right. Well, if he was brown, he would look like poop. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. That's true. And if he was white, he would get dirty really fast. Yeah, he would look like they'd sue for like, like he's a ripoff Michelin man. Yeah, right. our Stay Puff Marshmallow guy. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. believe me. They, so... It gets, this is, follow me down the rabbit hole, the Please Grimace rabbit hole. So our writer, J.M., looked back into the history of Grimace. He actually began as a villain, introduced in uh, 1972 as the evil Grimace, a purple monster with four arms. Uh, he was basically the Hamburglar, but he loved stealing beverages, including Coke and milkshakes. And in commercials, we'd see him like hoarding hundreds of cups of milkshakes and soda. And Ronald and his friends would have to use their wits to steal it back, which why an adult clown and two small children need 10 times their weight and Coke was never addressed. Hey, but... come on. Why, why, why are they on trial, man? <laughs> okay. Good. I have a theory now that I just made up that... There was a time that McDonald's thought that they could basically be like the next comic book superheroes. So they were like making narratives so that they could have cartoons and books and oh, whatever. The, so you're saying the original MCU. 
the McDonald's cinematic universe. Yes, exactly. Go. Is what they were trying to establish. Oh, okay, interesting. It just sounds like they really were going for it with like stories of, you know, now we've got two villains. Like, oh yeah. my God. What like, is that thing? Is that from a book, Jack? This like evil grimace thing? Like this is when they were like, hey, kid, like f- par- parents uh, indoctrinate your kids with tales of Ronald and friends. It appears to be a print ad uh, would be my guess. Uh, in which it, it is like designed to look like a storybook, but Grimace has forearms and weird like legs. So it's basically like a six armed insect that is also blob shaped. And it's it's Ronald McDonald looking up in arms about having his milkshake stolen. So Grimace made the switch from good to evil uh, and they cut off two of his arms uh, in the process because he was... Oh. And you're not going to believe this when when I tell you because he was inadvertently scaring their child customers. Because <laughs> uh, how a a giant like fat spider that steals your food? Uh, how is that going? You don't to... like Mister Blood Clot? <laughs> what if we do it with a Jamaican accent? <laughs> do you like him better now? Oh, they really hate this freaky four limbed creature, six limbed creature, huh? And then there's the other reason for the redesign, which was that McDonald's was sued over their McDonaldland gang, which resembled characters from the TV show H.R. Puff and stuff. And I think McDonald's actually reached out to them and was like, hey, could we like license those characters? And they were like, no. And then <laughs> McDonald's was like, oh, OK, we'll just copy it. And we're we have more lawyers than you. Yeah. Wow. According to the lawsuit, McDonald's not only approached creators Sid and Marty Croft about collaborating on a campaign and immediately scrapped it. They also recruited former HR Puff and Stuff employees to help design McDonald Land. So they lost that and had to pay them a bunch of money. Oh. But so Evil Grimace was based on a character called Seymour Spider. And they, I think, just removed the two extra arms to make him <laughs> seem less like a ripoff of the horrifying spider i just love that like little tweak that they're like we're good dude we're good he has six arms what are they gonna say that that ain't no spider your honor a spider has eight limbs uh we call our expert witness uh, how many limbs does a spider have eight it's a little baby spiders (laughs) Uh, the defense rests your honor but wow i love the uh the energy that they go for it reminds me of uh tiny puppets that's not geared <laughs> right. cartoon. That's clearly yeah. a Muppet Babies ripoff. A Muppet Babies ripoff. But they do the lame. It's just like, it's not Kermit, it's Kremit. <laughs> Don't say it has anything to do with their original IP. Yeah. Uh, Grimace. So is he, so what? So he's, he's retired permanently. Permanently. Oh. He's retired. Wow. He's retired currently, but not permanently because characters have been retired and then come back in sexy new iterations like the handsome Hamburglar that they released a design of that kind of weirded everybody out a few years ago. Hopefully they are not planning a sexy grimace, but you know. Oh, I mean, I just, I'd rather just have some closure around what he is once and for all. Yeah. You know, it's also like if that is a taste, bud, it is a swollen infected taste, bud (laughs) that, (laughs) Which is kind of what it tastes like. Like after you've eaten McDonald's and your 
your taste buds like are like kind of have pins and needles because you've eaten so much sodium and sugar at the same time. Uh, it feels like, like there's a layer of grease on your tongue that you can't mm, get off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, and like, then you grimace. Yeah, and then you grimace, <laughs> and that grimace is just the you know impressionist kind of version of what that feeling is after you eat McDonald's. Maybe that's what it is. Oh well, shout out to grimace. You know, well, we hope to know the real you one day. Mm. Big G, big G. Uh, well, Emily, it has been such a pleasure having you. Where can people find you and follow you and read you and all that good stuff? Thank you so much for having me. This has been awesome. I'm very excited about my trivia book that is coming out next month. I love trivia and I got to write this over the pandemic. So it's mostly uplifting trivia, things that make us not as sad because of the year and a half that we've had. And it's called One Day Smarter and you can get it anywhere that you get your books. Uh, Pre-orders always help. I didn't know this, but it's like why people put like why bookstores put books on tables rather than on bottom shelves uh, because those books got a lot of pre-orders so i appreciate pre-orders i'm on the internet at uh emilywintercomedy.com and emily mcwinter on instagram and twitter because my middle name is mckenna and i made a decision a long time ago and it was the wrong decision (laughs) um and that is and you can follow comedians with ghost stories wherever you find podcasts and thank you and is there is there a place that you would prefer they go to purchase the book Honestly, like if you have a bookstore that is uh, yeah. your local bookstore that, sure. you know, you might end up paying 75 cents more for the book, but you can ask them if they carry it. And you can a lot of my friends have pre-ordered from their local store. So hopefully your local store will have it. Is there a favorite uh, uplifting trivia fact that uh, ask, yeah. you can use as a teaser? Okay, so this one makes me so happy. This is one study. It was just one study, but one study found that the happiest age is 82. And yeah. the reason for that is that at if you're still with it by 82, you don't care anymore if you're like hot <laughs> or rich or like you didn't get that job. Like you don't care. You're just chilling. You're just having fun. And so it just makes me excited about aging because we're all supposed to be like, oh, no, I wish I was 25 forever. And yeah. no, we... Let's all get to 82 and keep our wits about us and have a great year. Yeah. All right. No, I think that's one of the big underrated kind of myths of American culture is that like you life gets worse as you age. And apparently right. that's not true. No. According to happiness studies, just kind of figure shit out as you go. You learn tricks. Yeah. Is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? Oh, you know, I didn't. I found one today. I was on Twitter today, and you know, Norm Macdonald just died. So I, I feel like that is taking over my Twitter. And I was getting kind of annoyed with some of the Norm Macdonald tweets. And I, uh, this wonderful comedian in Chicago, Jeffrey Asmus, it's Jeffrey with a G E O F F E R Y A T M is his Twitter handle. He said, Before you publicly mourn a celebrity's death, make sure the post doesn't mention you more than them. And <laughs> it's not. Not a funny, super funny tweet, just super, super real. Because I'm yeah. so sick of seeing morning tweets that are like, me, 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 I, I, I. I'm like, okay, great. Somebody's dead. You know what I yeah. mean? Just show a little respect. So uh, Jeffrey nailed that, I thought, and it was cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Miles, where can people find you? Uh, what's a tweet you've been enjoying? 
Oh, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray, and also the other show, uh, Four Twenty Day Fiance with Sophia Alexandra. If you like Ninety Day Fiance, stop by for that because it's a raucous good time. And I just want to <laughs> shout out the <laughs> the Nicki Minaj to Trinidad and Tobago cousins balls tweet has just has will never end. It seems like. Uh, past guest Danielle Radford at Danielle Radford tweeted, there is no big balls, man, is a thing professional healthcare experts were forced to say. And this is because the health minister had to come out and just say there has been no such case as the big balls, man. And I just let me try and find the audio. For this really One of the reasons we could not respond yesterday in real time to Miss Minaj is that we had to check and make sure that what she was claiming was either true or false. We did, we, and unfortunately, we wasted so much time yesterday running down this false claim. It is, as far as we know, at this point in time, there has been no such reported either side effect or adverse event. And what was sad about this is that it wasted our time yesterday trying to track down because we take all these claims seriously whether it's on social media or mainstream media as we stand now there is absolutely no reported such side effect or adverse event of testicular swelling in trinidad or i dare say dr hines anywhere else none that we know of anywhere else in the world so just, again, the most professional response to a bad fake science tweet. <laughs> and just this guy even feeling so sad. Right. God, this is what happens when you, this is what happens when we get the, these platforms. They're too wow. big. We forced someone in Trinidad to fucking do all this work because Nicki Minaj had a really cool anecdote. Yeah. Let's see. A tweet I've been enjoying is from a current guest. Emily, Emily McKenna Winter, who tweeted a while back, how to make friends as an adult. One, say we should hang. Two, do not hang. Three, say we should hang. Six months later. Four, cancel. Five, reschedule. Six, respect their cancellation. Seven, reschedule. Eight, actually hang. Nine, say we should do this more often. Ten, die. Uh, <laughs> which I thought was brilliant. Uh, well done. You. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song that we think you should go check out. Miles, what song are we saying people should go check out today? This is a track, a live track that was recorded live in Copenhagen, Denmark by a great band. Um, this is a band that includes Yusuf Days, one of my favorite drummers, Charlie Stacy, uh, and Rocco Palladino, the son of Pino Palladino, one of my favorite bassists. That's how you know you're getting old when you're like, that's Pino's son. There you go. Uh, and this track is called For My Ladies. 
when they get together, they're just such fantastic musicians. They're kind of playing that new jazz type vibe. And this is a, a bit of a longer track. It's a little over eight minutes, but it is a tour de force uh, of, of instrumental mastery. Uh, so check this out. It's For My Ladies, live in Copenhagen, Yusuf Days, Charlie Stacy, Rocco Palladino. Awesome. Well, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for us this morning, but we're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we will talk to y'all then. Bye. Bye. Bye.